wrapping up a series called Sexual Revolution today. My, my talk is titled Great Sex. Great Sex. If this is your first week with us, let me just do a quick review and just talk to you real quickly about week number one. Uh, week one, we, we, we talked about that, that, that sex was created, this gift of, of sex was created for one man and one woman in a marriage relationship. That is what pleases the Lord. Sex outside of a marriage relationship is displeasing to God. So God created sex for holy matrimony with one man and, and one woman. And so we talked about that uh, in week number one. And, and what I want to begin with today is why did God create sex? What's the purpose of sex. What does the Bible say the reasons are that God created this gift for one man and one month, one woman in holy matrimony? Let me give you three specific reasons of why God created sex. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today, but if you're new to the Lord, new believer, m maybe an old believer, but just never have understood why God created sex, I, I want you to know this. Number one is this, for children. For children. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse 28, God blessed them. This is right after God created Adam and Eve. The Bible says he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. God says, I'm giving you this gift of sex and intimacy because I want you to be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. In other words, God says, have children. Have a bunch of children. And, and Tiffany and I, we take this verse literally. And that's why we have four kids, and we had them in less than five years. If you don't know us, we have a six-year-old, uh, we have a four-year-old, we have a three-year-old, and we have a one-year-old. This scripture has been good to us. Amen. There's a, a second reason, a second reason that God created the gift of sex. Number two is this, for unity. Unity. God invented sex as an exclusive bond between a husband and a wife. Hear me today, there is so much more to sex than skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as it is a physical fact. There is this deep bond between a man and a woman. And that's why several times in the Bible it says that the two become one flesh. Scripture says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 15 and 16. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts and members of Christ? If you're a follower of Jesus, your body belongs to the Lord. So should I take part of, a part of Christ and join the, him to a prostitute? Uh, in other words, should I engage, engage with my, my body in sex outside of a marriage relationship? Scripture says never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, she becomes a part of him. Notice this. She becomes a part of him, and he becomes a part of her. There's this, there's this mystery. There's this, this, this bond. There's this unity that, that he becomes part of her, and, and she becomes part of, of him. Sex is so much more than, than skin to skin. It goes on to say, for God tells us in the scripture that in his sight, the two become one person. You see, one of the major reasons that sex outside of marriage is so dangerous is because a bond takes place with something that is impure. A an impure bond, a, a connection takes place 
that doesn't honor the Lord. Sex is so much more than skin to skin. There's this, there's this mystery of bonding and, and unity that God designed between one man and one woman. The scripture says this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31 and 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two, we see it again, the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, how two become one, how they have this unity, how they have this bond. And so God gave the gift of lovemaking between one man and one woman and holy matrimony for unity purposes. So for children, for, for unity, number three is this, for pleasure, for pleasure. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 19 says, a loving doe, a graceful deer. This is referring to a, a husband and his bride, his wife. She's a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy notice. God didn't say, I'm just giving you this gift to have a bunch of children. He says, no, there's satisfaction. There's, there, there's this element of pleasure. May her breast satisfy you always. May you be ever captivated by her love. In the Hebrew, captivated literally means to be intoxicated, to be giddy, to be fired up about being intimate with your wife. God gave the gift of, of lovemaking for children, for unity, and for, for pleasure. And the question that is going through some of your minds right now is, Pastor, that there's not a lot of pleasure right now in our romance. And how do me and my spouse get the pleasure back in our sex life? How, how do me and my spouse get fired up? How do we get giddy? How do we get passionate about our love life together? Pastor, how do me and my spouse have this connection and have this great sex life together? Because the romance has faded. The, the passion is almost gone. And friends, in order to experience sex the way that God intended it, you have to have this one major component that is missing in so many marriages. And that one component is love. That's the foundation of my talk today. The one component that is missing is, is love. And I'm not talking about this eros love. And the Bible refers to that, uh, talks about how people have eros love or this exotic kind of, of love, wasn't this, this ex, ecstasy. And we're not talking about that kind of love. We're talking about what the Bible drives home as the God kind of love, the agape love that's found throughout Scripture. And if this loving relationship is going to work, it's going to be built on agape love. That has to be the foundation to every successful, godly, God-honoring marriage, agape Love, And if you will have agape love in your marriage and you will agape love your spouse, it will in turn turn into a wonderful, romantic life with you and your spouse. But the foundation has to be agape love. And what I want to do today is give you six principles to a loving marriage. This is going to help you whether you've been married 40 years, 10 years, whether you're engaged or whether you're just single and hope to be married one day. And most of you statistics say we'll be married one day. You need to take some notes on this and that you can apply it to your life, your marriage, or your future marriage. Number one is this, love your spouse unconditionally. You want to agape love them? Love your spouse unconditionally. John chapter 13 verse 34 says, a new command I give you. This is Jesus speaking. Love one another as I have loved you. That's agape love. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And friends, God loves us unconditionally. And if you're going to love your spouse like God desires you to, you must love them 
unconditionally. Did you realize that when you got married, you made an unconditional promise to an imperfect person? And your spouse needs to know this. Your spouse needs to know that you love them unconditionally. You love them in spite of their weaknesses and their strengths. You love them unconditionally, regardless of their, of their faults. Your spouse needs to know that you love them. This is the foundation. This is the beginning. This is the starting point for, for a, a, an agape loving marriage, that you love your spouse unconditionally. And unfortunately, many couples, even many couples who go to church, don't love their spouse unconditionally. Many couples play this point game in their marriage. They, they make their spouse earn their love. And they keep points, and they, they don't tell their spouse that, but oh, you did good today, so you get a point. Well, I'm mad today. I'm taking away that point. You don't, you're going negative, negative one now. And, and there's this point game. And, and, and God, listen, that's not agape love. God has called us to love our spouse like he loves us with an unconditional love. God loves us just like we are. Isn't that good news? God didn't play this point. He loves us just like we are. The Bible actually says that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ loved for us. He died for us. He gave his life for us. He showed us unconditional love before we did anything for him. And friends, when you love your spouse unconditionally, you don't make them earn points. You don't show love one day and not the next because you're making them earn it. You don't make them earn the gift of sex. It's not a point-based, driven gift. It's an unconditional gift to be shared with the person that God has brought into your life. Can, can I tell you, don't use the gift of sex as some type of reward system. Well, you've been a good boy this week. So I guess. <laughs> don't, that, that's not agape love, that there's not this, you earn it, that there's this thing, I, I love you unconditionally. And my wife and I, we, we struggled with this whole thing when we first got married. It was a struggle in our marriage, this whole point system in earning. When we first got married, I, I mean, Tiffany, she, she just couldn't keep her hands off of me. And um, <laughs> man, it was a struggle. And I, I would lay at bed at night and I said, baby, I got a headache tonight. I got a headache, and, and, and if you cook what I want you to cook for me tomorrow, my favorite meal, maybe tomorrow. May. Okay, that's not true, of course, but we, we never have struggled with this at all in our marriage, but many couples do struggle with this. And there's not this unconditional love, this agape love, to love our spouse like Christ loves us. Number two is this, the, the second principle to a loving relationship is honor them respectfully. Honor them respectfully. Mutual respect is key in a loving marriage and, in, and then also in love making. Mutual respect. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Notice the Bible drives this unity, this oneness, this, this special bond between a husband and, and his wife all throughout scripture and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no Shame. Adam and Eve were both naked, but neither was embarrassed 
or ashamed. You see, God designed the gift of sex. He designed the gift of nakedness to be without shame or guilt. And friends, when we follow God's design for sex, there's this feeling of purity. And for us to keep the marriage bed pure, for us to have agape love towards our spouse, there must be mutual respect in and outside the bedroom. And, and for many couples, here, here's what some people really believe in in, in, a, in a lot of marriages. They believe once I get married, anything goes in the bedroom. And that's just not the case. Can I tell you, there has to be this mutual respect towards your spouse. If your spouse is uncomfortable with something, you respect them. Because listen to them, your spouse is not an object. They're a person. It was created by God. And you, you respect them. You you honor them. Remember this. Remember, God's original purpose is that there would be nakedness. There would be the gift of sex without shame or guilt. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. There's this purity. There's, there's this no shame. There's, there's no, no guilt because there's this mutual respect. And, and of course, God does not want us to commit adultery. He does not want sexual immorality to engage in sex outside of marriage. He does not want us to bring pornography into the relationship. We, we, we've addressed those issues because God wants there to be nakedness without shame or guilt. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to talk to the men very quickly. Men, the Bible says Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. We, we respect her. We, we, we honor her. We, we cherish her. We wouldn't want to do anything to her that, 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 that she would not want because we treat her like our own body. She, she is her own body. She's our, our flesh and blood. And the Bible says, listen, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. There is mutual respect. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we love our wives like Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for her. There's this mutual respect. And my, my wife addresses this, and I want you to hear what my wife has to say about this gape love, this, this mutual respect in a marriage relationship. Check out this video. Ladies, we can show our husband's honor by showing them respect. In fact, for most men, respect is a top need. And when we have disrespect in our marriage relationship, it can hinder a great sex life. And for so many of us, it's easy to show disrespect by belittling our husbands, humiliating them, or even talking negatively about them to our family and friends. And I know that some of you today may feel that your husband doesn't deserve your respect, or maybe you don't feel like giving him respect. But the truth is, it doesn't matter if you feel like respecting him or whether he's earned your respect. Respect is biblical. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, not only does it talk about your husband loving his wife, but it also talks about how a wife should respect her husband. And so today, I encourage you to respect your husband, to show him honor by respecting him. And as you respect your husband, it opens up the door for your marriage relationship to grow closer. Amen, Sister Cooper. And that is so true. And ladies, one of your man's top needs is to have your respect and your admiration 
And there has to be this mutual respect if there's going to be agape love in your house. Number three is this. The third principle I want to share with you to a loving relationship is commit to them fully. Commit to them fully. Agape love is a fully committed love. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 6, so there are no longer two. We, we see this whole principle of unity again, this special mystery, this bond. So there are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God? Everybody shout, what God? I want you to notice that, you see, when a husband and wife get married, God joins them together. God is a part of the process. Therefore, what God has joined together. Let man not separate. There should be a strong, unbreakable commitment to your spouse. There, there should be this thing as nothing's going to separate me from my spouse. And how do married couples, how do a husband and wife have this unbreakable commitment that the scripture says, let no man, let no thing separate this bond you have with your spouse? How does it take place? Let me share that with you real quickly. I think this is so important. You see, if you're going to have this full-on commitment to your spouse, nothing, nothing can take priority over your spouse besides your relationship with Christ. Your spouse has to be your top priority behind Jesus. And you know what happens in so many marriages is that many marriages, as time goes by, they begin to give their spouse their leftovers. The love begins to fade. The connection begins to fade. The, the fire and the passion begins to go away. And some people say, well, what's happening with our marriage? Leftovers. And your marriage will never flourish if you give your spouse leftovers. You see, here's what happens is you get married and maybe a spouse, they, they start getting so consumed in work. And, and we, nobody wants to admit it, but, but now work is ahead of, of my spouse. Start having kids, and and then and then maybe a spouse gets so wrapped up in the kids, or both get so wrapped up in the kids. In so many homes today, they're kid centric. The kids are driving the entire home, and and husband and wife make no time for connection. The kids are 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 first right after God, and sometime before God, and and they have no time for one another. Maybe it's 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 friendships, and man, I gotta hang with the fellas. I wanna hang out with my girlfriends, and and, and there's no there's no time that make no time to connect with their their spouse. Maybe it's educational pursuits, and and it's pursuing education, and I I wanna get my degree. I wanna get my master's degree, and man, that that is awesome and wonderful. But but many couples they start putting that ahead of their spouse, and and the romance starts to fade. And it's so easy if you're not careful to start giving your spouse leftovers. And the marriage starts to die and to fade. There's no passion. There's no fire. There's no love. Your spouse has to be a top priority behind Jesus Christ or the love and the passion and the romance will begin to fade. And Scripture says, let no man separate. Let nothing separate you from that connection with your spouse. Commit to them fully. Number four is this. There's a fourth principle that I want to share with you today. Great lovemaking connects to the person, not the event. To the person, not the event. You see, God-honoring great sex starts long before the bedroom. All the women say amen. Yeah, one of the reasons many married couples are, are frustrated and, and that their, their intimate life is not what they want it to be 
is because they don't have a great, loving marriage relationship. Godly, great, and satisfying sex happens in a great marriage where there's a great relationship. Listen to what Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice. You're, you're excited. There, there's passion. There's a, a connection. There's a relationship. May, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Verse 19, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you be ever captivated by her love. And hear me today. If you, you'll never experience verse 19 until you have verse 18. You'll never have this satisfying lovemaking, this captivating, this, this giddy in love, lo- lovemaking marriage until verse 18 takes place and there's rejoicing in your spouse and there's happiness in your marriage relationship. There's this connection, there's this relationship because great lovemaking connects to the person, not the event. It takes place in a great marriage relationship. And I want you to hear for the next few moments from my wife and what she has to say about great lovemaking connects to the person and not the event. Check out this video. Great sex is not an event. Great sex happens in a loving marriage relationship. And a great marriage relationship takes two people intentionally investing in the marriage. Now, men, I'm going to let you in on something a little secret. You may have heard it before, but men and women are different. It's true. And I can speak personally. For me, it's much more about what happens throughout the day leading up to the event or what has happened throughout the past week or in my marriage that affects how I feel about the event. Well, some of the ways that Herbert and I intentionally invest in our marriage to make it better, which also makes our sex life better, is we plan up to three dates a month. And these are dates without the kids. No kids can come on the dates, but they're dates where we just invest in one another. We talk about what's going on in our lives. We share our struggles or the things that we're enjoying. It's just a time for us to be alone one-on-one. We also plan overnight getaways. And once again, we don't bring the kids with us. But these are great overnight getaways for us just to enjoy one another, to build on our relationship and make it stronger. And I also would like to say that one of the things that I appreciate about how Herbert invests in our marriage is when he appreciates what I do for our family or when he acknowledges all of the things that maybe I do for him or for our children. Um, When I just feel like he really notices what I am putting into not only our family but our marriage. And when you invest in your marriage on all levels, it makes the sex great. So I encourage all of you today to invest in your marriage, to invest in one another and what matters to one another, and that will impact your sex life. Amen, Sister Cooper. Amen. Let me ask you, are you investing in your marriage? Do you still date your spouse? Do you still open the car door for her? You buy her flowers or chocolate, whatever she likes. You still romance one another. You hang out without the kids. Are you investing in your marriage? Because I'm telling you, great lovemaking takes place in a great marriage relationship. And my wife is so right. She said men and women are, are different, and it's true. Men and women are, are different in so many ways. And, and for my wife, I mean, 
for her and, and, and for us to have a great uh, lovemaking to her is so important that I'm connected with her and I'm talking to her and we're going on dates. And, 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 and ladies, I want you to know us men are different. I want you to hear the man's perspective today. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 2.25, I read that to you a moment ago, it says that God created Adam and Eve and they were naked and there was no shame and no guilt. That They were naked. I'm glad God put that in the Bible. Everybody say naked. I know you're uncomfortable right now. Come on, say it again in church. It's in the Bible. Say naked. That's right. Ladies, listen to me. Let me tell you how us men are wired. You want to help your husband? Get naked. Amen. Yeah, I said it. I did, yeah. I said it. Get naked. Yeah. You, you having an argument? He might not need a date. Just get naked. Amen. Huh? Things ain't going well in the marriage? Get naked. It'll help him. Amen. Praise the Lord. He won't let you go shopping. Get naked. It makes a difference. It makes all the difference. No, no. Now, l- let me be serious. Let me be I want to be really serious now. Let me be serious. Let me be serious. Okay, here's seriousness. Get naked. I'm serious. All right. Number five is this. There is a, a, a fifth principle I want to share with you regarding a loving relationship. Number five, serve your spouse willingly. I tell you, after first service, I had folks high-five me. Some men were excited about that, boy. High-five me. Amen. Don't do that in front of your wife. Don't high-five me in front of your wife, all right? Serve your spouse willingly. The Bible is very clear, ladies and gentlemen, very clear, that in order to make love work, the component of serving is critical. And what serving means is that you live for your spouse's needs and not just your own. You live for their interest and not just your own. You see, I live my life to take care of Tiffany, to invest in her, to take care of her needs. And she lives to take care of my needs and to invest in me. And that's what this serving is all about. It's no longer all about me. It's about, it's about you and meeting your needs and taking care of you. And let me say this, in many marriages, men desire sex more than, than women do. And not in all marriages, but, but in many. Men are just wired this way. And I've done some extensive research this past week, and, and, and I was blown away by this research. The research says that men like to have sex on days that start with the letter T. Hear me, ladies, I want to help you. They start with the letter T. They want to have sex on Tuesday and, and Thursday, today, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. I'm, I, I want to help you. I just... I want to help you today. That's why I'm here as your pastor to shepherd you. Amen. Here, here's what I want to drive home here is be sure that you say yes more than, more than you say no. Can, can, can I tell you, sexual rejection is not good for a loving marriage. You're, you're married to serve one another. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse, verse 3 through 4, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. I love how this reads in the Message Bible. It says, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife. The wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Can I tell you, that's why some marriage is not working. Let me tell you my rights. Listen, you gave up your rights when you got married. Amen. You should have thought about that before you said, I do, because now you're called to serve him and you're called to serve her. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Agape love, this loving relationship, there must be this willingness to serve one another. I close with point number six. 
Number six, love God with everything. With everything that's inside of you, love the Lord. Red Book Magazine did some research and discovered that the greater intensity of a person's spiritual life, the more they are likely to be satisfied sexually. And let me tell you, that doesn't surprise me. You know why? Because, listen, if you want to love like God, you, you, you need to love God with all your heart. Your heart. If you're going to love your spouse with an agape love, with a God kind of love, your heart needs to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. You need to love God with everything within you if you're going to love your spouse the right way. First John chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Hear me. Some of you today, your, your marriage is dwindling, the fire is leaving, the passion is leaving, and you're saying, Herbert, what do we need to do? Herbert, where do we start? Right here, right here. Start loving your spouse with everything that's, start, excuse me, start loving God with everything that's within you, and that'll change your love for your spouse. It says love comes from, from God, this agape love. You can't manufacture it. It's from God. Everyone who love has been born of God and knows God. You see, if you're going to love your spouse the right way, you got to love God. Can I tell you what some of you desperately need, need to do today? Desperate. You're, you, maybe your marriage is dwindling. Maybe things are not that bad, but it's just starting to drift a little bit. Maybe you're on the verge of divorce today. Can I tell you what you need to do? Say, Jesus, I give you everything. Can I, can I tell you when, when a marriage begins to, to, to dwindle, it, it's obvious that, that somebody is not sold out to Christ. It's obvious that, that Jesus doesn't have everything. Can I tell you when people are holding on to bitterness and grudges and bringing up what happened 10 years ago and there's unforgiveness and, 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 and there's this point system, there's somebody who hasn't given Jesus everything. And today somebody in this place needs to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my time. I give you all that I am. And Jesus, you make all the difference. Jesus, if I fall in love with you, I know I can love him. Jesus, if I fall in love with you, I know I can. I can love her. But first things first. Jesus, I quit putting you on the back burner. I quit playing games. I quit going through the motions of church. And Jesus, I give you my complete heart. I give you everything. I want to love you with all my heart, my mind, my strength, with everything. And that, friends, is key to having a strong marriage, is that you'll fall in love with Jesus all over again. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for hearts in this place that are cold toward you, O Lord.